Good morning, CTK. Psalm 118. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God, I will extol you. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. The word of the Lord. Good morning, Christ the King. Good morning. Man, glad to be here oh, one more time. Excited to be here to speak to you from the Word of God. Again, my name is Chris Cooper. I am North Carolina Central's campus minister for RUF. We're going into our second year, um, Go Eagles, as they do. And um, I am excited about being there. And I want to thank you for your support, your prayers, um, your pastor Jeff, and you guys here I know have been praying for me and so many different things. Just want to give you an update. My wife is down here with me now. She was going from me for a year, and I'm super excited about that. Um, I missed her. And uh, husbands, I know you can relate to this, that I don't know what I would do without my wife. I'd be struggling. So I'm glad she's here. And um, also, I'm glad for the prayers. Things are going well on campus. And if you would like to hear about it, just come see me after service and I'll tell you. Um, but let me get to the Word of God, because that's what I'm here for. Uh, before I get started, let us pray real fast. Father God, we're grateful that you just allowed us to wake up this morning and see the clouds, the bright sunshine, have the activity of our limbs. We are just more than grateful that we can fellowship in this place together as your children. 
Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do the job you are designed to do within the scripture. Lead us and guide us into all truth. Convict us when we're walking off the beating path. Man, please be a light and a lamp unto us as we walk this Christian walk. Soften the hearts of men and lay the seed of the word be firmly rooted in our hearts so that roots may grow and that we may become a tree, not for our glory, Father God, but for your glory alone. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As we get into the scripture, Psalms 118, I, I know y'all been doing a series about seeing Jesus through the Psalms, and in this particular Psalm, this is actually kind of a war cry, a battle cry of, of victory after it happens, and they accredit this Psalm to David, but they're not actually sure that it is him, and one of the things I like about this Psalm is that it is a Psalm of call and response. Now, I grew up in the African-American church, call and response is if you say something, then people are like, hallelujah, pastor. And they kind of just tell you, they loving on you, you loving on them, and you excited together. So here they say the Psalter, who would be the king, is actually with excitement saying things to the nation after a victory, and the nation is kind of saying things back. And while doing this, he, he speaks of God's, you know, enduring love, his, his mercy. He, he speaks of him as their help as you go through the scripture and, and being on their side. He speaks to them about being their refuge, and he's the one who delivered us. And then it goes on and says, because of you, we have life, and, and we have life to keep going, and we got this victory even though we may have some losses. And then when it gets to the 19th verse. It speaks of, hey man, only the righteous can walk in to this holy place. And then it said, when I got into this holy place, I was basically amazed. And we all know Jesus is the only way we can get into the gate. So it's great excitement in this psalm. It's great victorious praise in this psalm. And where I would like to go is kind of get into that 21st verse which lets us know, man, he said, he, he answered me, he heard my cry, and, and when he heard my cry, he becomes our salvation. In, in this particular moment, in the context, the cry was probably for victory of the war. The, the, the cry was probably, Father, I don't know if we can do it, but guess what? You saved us. You became our salvation. Now, in my own personal walk, it was a time where I had no place to go, and guess what? It was a time I had to cry to God, and he, guess what? He showed up, and he saved us. He said, you are my salvation. The only way I can walk into the gates of righteousness, the only way that you can help me, the only way that shows me that you are steadfast in your love and merciful towards me is that you are my salvation. You showed up when I needed you the most, Father. You showed up when I needed you at the right time. And he tells him, look, after we talk about this thing, he said, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Now, the nation was God's covenant people, right? And the king was a representation of who God was, right? They would come from the lineage of David. And within that lineage, that, that dynasty would never be cut off because we understand that Jesus 
comes from that lineage. And as his covenant people, it was nations out there who rejected the power of God. So at this moment, during this psalm, he said, it's basically saying that nations rejected you and your power, but with your covenant people, you know, the same people that they rejected became the cornerstone and they tripped over. But the psalm is clearly foreshadowing and talking about a man who embodies the nation, who embodies the covenant. It's talking about Jesus Christ. It's talking about an individual who many rejected, whether it was politicians at the time, whether it was his own people, you can say the Pharisees, the Essenes, the Sadducees, I call them the Seas. All the seeds of the time, it, it was all the individuals who were actually educated in the law. It was his covenant people who saw him, and they, all they wanted to do was what? Reject him. They rejected Jesus Christ. Not only did they reject him, but the Gentiles, the one who probably knew of him, you know, hey, man, we heard about this man named Jesus. They didn't take him seriously either because it wasn't time for them to know so the same man named Jesus Christ who came, who became our salvation, the same man who suffered, died on the cross, and was rejected is the same man who becomes the chief cornerstone. You're probably wondering, what is a cornerstone? Well, if you look back at that time, a cornerstone is actually the biggest piece of stone, which is usually placed in the corner of the particular building that brings the walls together. And not only does it bring the walls together, but actually all the weight is put on these cornerstones to hold the foundation up. I think that's amazing. If that doesn't describe Jesus, I don't know what does. So he utilizes this phrase in the Gospels so many times. He utilizes this phrase in a particular example, which is talking about the workers and the tenants. And this can be found in St. Luke 20, 17, and also Matthew 21, 42, in this particular example, right, you have the workers, the individuals who are tilling the land, and, and the master goes away, and he brings those who have come to basically supervise those tilling the land, and the people who he brings to supervise the land, they just go against them, and they kill them. Now, the first one clearly talks about the prophets, the prophets come and talk about Jesus Christ. They, they come and talk about the ways of the Lord. But guess what? God's people just ignore them, and they kill them off, and they don't pay them no mind. They reject them. And then it progresses and kind of talks about another individual who comes, and many people refer to that as John the Baptist, and, and they come, and, and when he comes, they reject him, even though he says the kingdom of God is soon in hand. And then he says he actually tells his own son, to come and set order within those who are working the land, and they defy the land, and they slaughter the son. And then he says, eventually the master will come and judge them. And within this judgment, they will trip over the cornerstone. Clearly, the son is in reference to Jesus Christ. Not only did they reject him, but what did they do? They slaughtered him. 
They slaughtered him. They put him on a cross. And guess what? He, he took death, hell, and the grave. He rose again, and he sits on the right the hand of God the Father Almighty, and he stands in our place. And in standing in our place, he has become the chief cornerstone. And because he has become the chief cornerstone in our lives, we can be thankful and grateful at the fact that he connects it all. Romans lets us know that Jew and Gentile becomes a part of his covenant, which means the two walls, which was once separated, are broken down and they're glued together. Different ethnicities, different cultures, different races, those who are elect by God is held up and joined together because he is the chief cornerstone of us all. And not only does he hold it all together, but he carries the weight of our sin, our shame, what we're afraid of, what we're fearful of. And by the cross, he holds that foundation together and say, you can come through the gates. You can come through the gates. That's amazing. He, he justifies by his free grace. He, he adopts us, all of us, no matter who we are, no matter where we come from. And he, we partake of the benefits that he's given to us by the cross, and he's holding it all together. Like it says in Colossians, that all things are run through him. He reconciles it all together, and we can be excited about that like they are excited in Psalms 118 at this given moment. At this given moment, after he gets past him being the chief cornerstone, it goes on in the 23rd verse and lets us know this is the Lord's doing. It's not man's. It's one thing I learned about man. We know this is the Lord's doing because if man has a plan and we all agree, most of us buy into the plan, right? We say, I like this plan. We discussed it. We broke it down. You know, what's the negatives? What's the pros? What's the cons? And then we say, let's go for it. So everybody is on board. You want to know how I know man didn't come up with the plan of salvation? Because once Jesus came, nobody liked him. <laughs> no matter how much he talks, no matter how much he made sense, no matter how much he taught us and gave us wisdom. Like, oh, I see his miracles, but I don't really like this dude. And, and I know he comes from, you know, the covenant that God made to us, but I don't really go forth with this dude. Matter of fact, let's bring him up on charges. Let's do this. Let's put him on the cross. Obviously, man didn't make this plan because nobody bought in. But I'm glad that God is sovereign. And he controls everything. And that time when Adam partook, right, of the fruit and we were in total depravity, he came with a plan, which was his son. And he knew individuals was going to be rejected for his glory. He knew his son would have to go through major suffering for his glory. He knew he had to die on a cross for his glory. He knew that he had to say, Father, why have thou forsaken me to save the people he elected? And he knew that he had to go in the grave, be raised again. And he knew that not only was that supposed to happen, but his blood would cover us. He knew those things, even though we were blind. He loved us that much. 
He loved us that much. I don't know about you. I love a lot of people. But would I die for you? Yeah, I die for my wife and kids. But many times when you start going down the list, you're like, hmm, I mean, my kids need me. <laughs> um, let me think of this. Ma, you know, I can't leave my wife here alone. I always laugh. What if, I said, what if God tell you? You still be like, oh, Jesus, forgive me. <laughs> <laughs> forgive my heart. You know, help me with my unbelief. We had nothing to do with it. It was all according to God's plan. And I'm grateful every day that he loved us that much. That's why we can go back to the beginning and say, we'll praise him for his steadfast love. Steadfast means continual. It keeps going. He loved us that much that he pulled us out from where we were from, became the chief cornerstone, becomes the foundation of our lives, and we can love each other with the love of Jesus Christ. As you get to the 24th verse and last, then it goes on to say, hey man, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now where I come from, we sing a song, we be like, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord, it is like a, a mantra, like a mantra, like it is amazing. We all up, hallelujah. Like it's, it's, it's there. But in this context, in Psalms, right, a lot of times this is reference to victory. It is speaking of, I'm grateful for this day that just happened, that he had it in his hands, that he had it all in his control, and that he loves us, and that he's our refuge, and things of like that. So this day, I, I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. And then this is sometimes reference when he comes in, and they're saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, as you read Psalms 18, and he's riding on a donkey. They're saying, the king is here. This is the day we will rejoice because the king has arrived to save us. Look, we should wake up every day with a heart of gratitude, humility, and praise towards God, because every time I wake up, I can say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will be glad, and let us rejoice in it. Let us rejoice in the fact that by his sovereign will, he loved us enough to be our cornerstone, to be bringing things together, to die on a cross for us, and then you can keep going through Psalms 118 to be our refuge. He's on my side. Who shall I fear? What man shall I fear? Because God has my back. Matter of fact, I know he loves me steadfastly because yesterday I probably did something wrong that was not according to his will. You can just keep going and going and going, but when you wake up, you should say with humility, I will rejoice. We sang a song today. Rejoice, and again I say what? Rejoice. Why? Because the God we serve is an amazing God who loves us beyond what we could ever imagine. And 
the way God is glorified through Jesus Christ and the fact that he loves us, that he can be still the foundation of our lives who are holding things together through all the mess that is going on, guess what? We should be glad that we're able to humble ourselves to serve him through the spirit given to us and love on people who don't know him and love on people who, who might be curious about him and also have a victorious chant because many times we have the victory. Because one day, as they said, we'll walk into the righteous gates because we came through the sun and because we're adopted by a holy father. If you can't get excited about that, I don't know what's going to make you excited. So let us look to Psalm 118 and let us see Jesus as the one who upholds our foundation, who brings all races, ethnicities, and all cultures together, who carries the weight of our shame, our fear, our sinfulness, the one through his sovereign will who had a plan for us and still has a plan for us to continually love us when we didn't even agree with the plan. And even though today he's rejected many times over, we still can wake up and be glad that we're a part of his family. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Father God, we're, we're grateful for what you have done. We're humbled at the fact that you are the chief cornerstone and you're the one who holds the walls together and you're the foundation of our lives. Father God, let us not be so worried about complaining about every little thing or murmuring, Father God, but let us rejoice and be glad in the fact that you loved us enough to keep it all together, to make us a part of your family, to bring relationships that we never thought we could have, to to have a great joy, to glorify you and be happy in doing it. Let us rejoice. Give us strength for each moment that comes, the temptation that we struggle with, Father God. But most of all, let us think about your cross daily and how you partake of the suffering for us and our sin. In Jesus' name, amen.